Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Well, good morning. Maybe it's not so good for you. I just heard a few say good morning. Um, This fat boy got hot, so I took my jacket off, so I hope it doesn't offend anyone. It is my honor to be filling in for your pastor today. I appreciate his confidence in me to uh, be able to do so, and I thank you for the opportunity to preach the Word of God. You can be turning in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 19. I've entitled uh, the message this morning, The Beauty of the Cross. The Beauty of the Cross. I'm going to read two verses. It's verses 17 and 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version, so it might be a little bit different than one you're using. But John writes in John 19, verse 17 and 18, And he, meaning Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Let's stop and go again to the Lord in word of prayer. Father, as we quieten our hearts before you in this special hour of worship, we want to thank you for your mercy and grace that you make new every morning. We thank you for giving us life and health and bringing us to this place. And We praise you for the freedom we have in these United States so far to worship you. God, I just ask that as we have met and gathered here together, we ask, God, that you'd be in the midst. Holy Spirit, we pray for your power, for your presence. We pray that you would go to and fro in each mind and heart. Draw people to yourself. Draw them to God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The beauty of the cross. Someone has aptly said that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I would agree with that, wouldn't you? That beauty is in the eye of the beholder. When I look at Herman Campbell, I just wonder how in the world his wife could see how. <laughs> I just had to get you, brother. Herman and I go way back. <laughs> uh, I, when you look at different things, people look at different than I do. I don't think a mullet's beautiful, do you? But a lot of people today think mullets are beautiful. I, I, let me look around first. I don't think bright pink hair or blue hair is, is pretty. But obviously some people do. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. How can I say then, when I look at the cross, that it's beautiful? How can we find beauty in an instrument of death? That's what it was. You see, crucifixion was designed to kill people. Most importantly, criminals. Of course, we know Jesus wasn't a criminal. He was only accused of criminality by the Jewish leaders. Isn't it odd to you that 
people he came to save, the people of his own tribe, own country, crucified him and he came to save him. The crucifixion was designed to do, but was not only designed to kill a man, but it was designed also to humiliate him. Did you know that most people died on the cross naked? And when you were crucified, I, I hope kids don't get, and i got to keep my mind focused here, I don't want to get too graphic. When a person was nailed to a cross, as Brother Danny aptly said there earlier, they were positioned in such a way that it was a slow suffocation. And they, they would nail you with your knees bent and your arms stretched out. And the only way you could get air in your lungs is if you pushed up. And, and of course, you can imagine trying to breathe. And especially after Jesus' scourging and his beating and everything that he endured prior to getting nailed to the cross, it had to be a painful, and in fact, it is the most painful death probably known to man at that time. How can we say then there's beauty in the cross? Well, I think there's three things that would uh, give way to that. I think there's beauty in the cross because it bridges the gap between man and God. If you were to turn your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 3, you'll see where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and, and partook of the forbidden fruit and, and, and their disobedience brought separation. Same as today, doesn't it? Our disobedience brings separation for God, whether you're uh, a child of God or not. If you've been born again, it still brings separation. It may not separate you from your salvation, but it will separate you from your fellowship. But when Adam and Eve decided to disobey God, it created the gulf between them and God. I don't know if you've ever used the Billy Graham uh, witnessing pamphlet it's got it's called steps to peace with god and and, and he, he draws a picture in that pamphlet and it, it has man here and god here and it has the the cross that bridges the gap i i think that's a beautiful picture don't you because without the cross you and i could never get to god in fact isaiah says in, in relation to mine and your righteousness it's as filthy rags there's there is no righteous there's none righteous no not one the bible says and if it was uh, dependent upon my righteousness to get myself to God, I, there's no way I would get there, and neither would any of you. So when I look at the cross, I see beauty in it. I see the beauty that it, 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 it when I uh, activated on my faith, I, I went from being separated from God, and I, I walked across the cross of Jesus Christ to get to God. Because of our unrighteousness, we are incapable of approaching a holy and righteous God. So Jesus' death bridges that gap. And we are able to be in fellowship with God. But there's also beauty in the cross, not only because it bridges the gap between man and God, it also brings salvation to all who believe in Jesus. Do you know that not one of us deserves to be saved? Every single person here deserves to die and go to hell. I, 
sometimes we get a little more, we, we think a little more self than we ought to think. Sometimes we get so pious that we think, well, you know, I, I'm a pretty good person. I deserved heaven. No, none of us deserve heaven. None of us have spent it. When you look at the scope of an almighty God, a righteous, holy God, and when you look at who we are as, 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 as human beings, we are most miserable of all people because we're born into sin and and. If we don't make Jesus our Savior or ask Jesus to be our Savior, we'll die in our sins. But none of us deserve the free gift of salvation. But because of God's grace and mercy that He showed on Calvary's cross, Jesus became our substitute. Man, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus died? But picture this. God in the flesh punished Himself for our sin. No other religion has that type of love. No other religion is all based on works, what you can do for uh, the, the, the deity. Our God did it all for us. We don't have to do anything. It is supplied to us through and by His mercy and grace that, that was uh, afforded on Calvary's cross and not only through the death but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ we have been given eternal life I don't have to work for it I don't have to earn it I don't have to uh, be good looking enough Herman to to get there I don't have to weigh a certain amount I don't have to have so much money in the bank I have the pleasure of going to heaven based on the faith that God gave me in Jesus Christ When you look at the scope of God's love, God punished Himself so that you and I could spend eternity with Him. Doesn't that not blow your mind away? It absolutely blows my mind that God would love me so much that He would allow Himself to go through much pain and agony so much hatred for men so that you and I would have this opportunity to spend eternity with him. Now, sadly, most all the world reject salvation in Jesus Christ. Of the Seven getting closer to eight billion people on planet Earth, somewhere between five and six billion of them don't know Jesus. And even more sad that we who used to be a Christian nation, those of us who were Americans can somewhat remember back when it was, it is no longer, we're vastly becoming a pagan nation. I, I don't watch television much anymore, but I've seen the reports of a, of a, a, a recording or a guy that sang and dressed like the devil on some award show and I didn't get into it but I saw also on the internet where Brazil had a demonic parade and the day after the parade God sent a flood you know we're we're living in a pagan culture folks and yet in the midst of that pagan culture the gospel still 
is powerful in it. The gospel still saves it. God has never lost His power to save a one lost soul. We sang it earlier. There's power in the blood, isn't there? There's power in the blood. Did we sing that song or I'm just dreaming it? Uh, we sang something about the blood. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> huh? We sang all that, didn't we? Y'all did a great job. But, but look at the salvation that God gave us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, uh, let me read that or I'll misquote that just as sure as I'm standing here. But God demonstrated His love, His own love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Get that, the love of God. But then I, I love 2 Corinthians chapter Five because it, it talks about restoration. I should have marked those before I got up here and forgot all about it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to Him. Did you catch that? When Jesus died on the cross, He bore, like you said, Brother Danny, He bore our sins on that tree. He didn't impute our trespasses to Him. has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Get this. It's my favorite verse in this passage. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteous of God in him. Oh, the love of God, folks. The love of God that put my Savior on that cross. He loved me so much that he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. He was a perfect son of God. That's why when John the Baptist saw him coming. He says behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. He was. And he still is the Lamb of God. If you know anything about Old Testament history. There had to be a perfect spotless lamb. That was offered as a sacrifice for Israelite sin. And God did it through Jesus Christ for the whole world. And now because of his substitutionary death on Calvary's cross, he took our sins and exchanged our sins for his righteousness. Well, that's a pretty good exchange, don't you think? Pretty good swap. God gets my sins and I get his righteousness. Something I don't deserve, but something that he gave freely based on the faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. I thank God for His grace and faith that He gave me. But I think beauty in the cross, not only because it brings salvation, it brings restoration and reconciliation, it also brings acceptance. You've heard the old saying time and again, you've heard preachers preach it, there's the ground that the cross is level. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. It, 
It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your social economic background. It doesn't matter your past sins or your present sins. It doesn't matter uh, where you live or, or anything. God's salvation is for everyone. It's for everyone to accept. And God accepts you just like you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. Did you know that? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't have to get good enough to get to heaven. You, you'll never get there. You have to accept this free gift of salvation and exchange your sins for His righteousness. It's the only way you won't get there. God loves you and accepts you just like you are, but He loves you enough not to leave you the way you were. He's going to make you a new person. We... I'll just turn over and read it because I'll... As my mind gets older, it gets frailer. And uh, I can't remember things like I used to. But uh, Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, when you become a child of God, God takes your sin away, but He's transforming you from that old person to a new person. God accepts you and loves you just the way you are, but He makes you into a brand new person. So, I hope you agree with me that there's beauty in this cross. Even though it's a uh, an instrument of capital punishment, even though it's used to, it was used to uh, humiliate and kill people, it still beauty it because that's where my Savior chose to die for my sins and for yours and for the whole world. But then, last of all, there's beauty in the cross because of the benefits it affords those who believe in the Savior who died on it. And I think you would expect me to immediately talk about eternal life because that's the best benefit in it. But you know that John 10.10 says that uh, we can have abundant life? Sad to say that most American Christians don't really experience the abundant life. We just, we, we want our fire insurance, so to speak. We want to be saved from the and escape the realities of hell, but we don't really want to live for Jesus. We want, we want to hold a hand in the world and a hand to God. We want basically to straddle the fence and live in that gray area I've often talked about. But God just didn't die to give us eternal life. Yes, it's a, it's a future reality. Don't hear me wrong, but we can have a taste of heaven today. We can experience the abundant life in Jesus Christ through that daily personal relationship with Him. And, and uh, it comes through spending time with God in Bible study and prayer. And, and even more than that, uh, uh, I was watching a, a clip of Dr. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite uh, modern preachers. And uh, he, he was talking about studying the Scriptures don't... Uh, it don't make you holy. It don't make you righteous, so to speak. Obedience does. You can know all the Bible in the world. You can you can quote it from memory, but unless you put it into practice, it doesn't make you. That's how you experience God is through obedience. And God wants us to have the best life 
that He could give us through obedience to His Word. I've lived on both sides of the coin, so to speak, and I know what it's like to live an abundant life. I know what it's like to live under that glory spout of God and, and be in fellowship with God day in and day out, but I also know more, sad to say, what it's like to live a mediocre Christian life, just barely scraping by, just living in, trying to live in both worlds, spiritual in the world we live in now. God died not for us to live a mediocre Christian life, people. He wants us to have abundant life. And yes, the icing on the cake is the eternal life that, that, that uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ provides. We, we get to spend eternity with Christ someday. I, I don't know exactly how it's all going to be. I, I know John in his uh, human mind tried to translate his vision and I think he was trying to use earthly terms to describe a heavenly vision. It just didn't suffice. I don't think it, it's going to be far greater than what John could say with walls of jasper and gates of pearl and streets of gold. I think it's going to be even greater than that. And we're going to see all those saints that's died on. But we're going to see Jesus. And I'm going to spend eternity forever and ever and ever with the Savior who died for me. So is there beauty in the cross? I think so. I believe so. I know so. There's beauty because that cross bridges the gap between God and man. There's beauty because it brings salvation to all who believe in Jesus Christ. And there's beauty because of the benefits it affords those who place their faith in the man on the cross. A lot of people have crucifixes on necklaces. They have it hanging on their wall. You see it driving down the road. Many, I think, don't realize the implication of that cross. That Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on that cross so that we could have eternal life. Now let me ask you something. Do you know the Christ of the cross? Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Him? You see, you could believe it in God all your life. You can believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but do you have it in your heart instead of in your head? You see, there's the difference between believing and receiving, isn't there? A lot of people believe in God. In fact, the Bible says even the demons in hell believe in God. But have you placed your faith and trust in him? John 1.12 says to them who believed, to them who received, he gave the authority of the right to become children of God to those who received. He said, well, preacher, I've done that. 
You might can name the date. You might name the time. You can tell where you are, and I hope you can. But let me ask you another question. If you are born again, are you living the abundant life that God wants you to live in? Has there been a time in your history that you're closer to God than you are today? And if so, then you've moved. God hasn't moved. God's still where you left Him. Are you living that abundant life that God wants every child of His to be living in? Listen, I, I'm there with you. I've, again, I admit I've lived more out of fellowship with God than I have in fellowship with God. That's not God's original plan. So first of all, my invitation is for those who don't know Christ. Come and accept the Lord as your Savior today. He loves you so much. He wants to give you, He wants to swap your sins for His righteousness. And Christian, if you're here and you're not where you need to be with God, why don't you come and say, Lord, I, I'm tired of living mediocrity Christian, as a Christian. Help me to live a life that pleases you. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.